Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Britson. I'm your host. It is, of course, Thursday, July 2nd. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you may notice that in each of these days, I'm wearing the same shirt. That's quarantine life, kids. Uh, or we recorded them all the same day. You decide. Um, my wife would tell you that it was the same shirt. And if you want to watch all these shows on YouTube, you can do that. We have a Pick 6 Podcast YouTube channel. You can subscribe to it. Uh, go to at Pick, 6, at Pick 6 Pod on Twitter or at Will Brinson on Twitter, and we've tweeted out the links. Um, if you listen to the show and you like the show, please go subscribe because the more subscribers we get, the better it is for all of us. Also, you can download, rate, and review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you download and, sub- and, you- and leave a five-star review, you can ask us any question, and we will answer it on Mailbag Mondays. Uh, we have a kicker and punter podcast coming up on Saturday because why not? Happy 4th of July. Here's a kicker and punter podcast. And, uh, tomorrow we have tight ends with Cody Benjamin. You can check out our top 10 quarterbacks with Sean White and McGuff in the feed, top 10 running backs with Patrick Walker. I have a little heat on that podcast. And now to do top 10 wide receivers, the one, the only Jared Dubin. Dubs, what's up, buddy? I'm doing all right, man. How are you doing? Uh, I'm great. Can't complain. Um, wearing the same shirt for four days in a row. Uh, we were talking well, before. I the would pod, expect nothing less. Kinda. Uh, we were talking before the pod that, uh, I've been watching a lot of 30 Rock lately. And, um, I've already rewatched the office. I've, I've rewatched the office. I've rewatched Parks and Rec and I've rewatched Community. Uh, now I've moved on to 30 Rock because I realized it was on Hulu. Uh, which out of all those shows, like those, like the office area shows, which one is your preference? Uh, Parks and Rec is my favorite show of all time. So okay. it's definitely that one. Um, I, I think like, Parks and Rec is, I, I'm, and I'm and in the middle of watching 30 Rock, so it's like hard to say, but like, I, I definitely think that the office is at best, uh, third for me. I'm not sure where I'd have it. I mean, Mike Schur is probably my favorite writer, and obviously he was one of the big writers on The Office. He was the creator, co-creator, I guess, of Parks and Rec, co-creator. Yep. Brooklyn Nine Nine co-creator, or I think you can tell when he leaves the office, like when he leaves, like when he left the show to go do other shows, or did he do it all the way through? I think he did it all the way through, oh, and okay. then he did Parks and Rec, or I don't remember, okay. or actually no, because Parks and Rec was on at the same time the Office was on, so he had to have left at some point. Um, yeah. I mean, the the Office drops off when Michael leaves, which is you know pretty obvious. Right. Um, yeah, I mean th- those shows are all great though, and I'm always in the midst of a rewatch of. Of one of them too, so yeah, it's uh, it's a good time. Did you know that Michael Schur was married to Regis Philbin's daughter? I did. I did not know that. I, I think he's talked about it on like somebody's podcast before. That makes sense. And she's a, she's a TV writer also. She wrote for like the OC. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I might need to go rewatch the OC. Um, 
Sure also did the uh, the Good Place, which is pretty good uh, on yeah. ABC as well. It's a it's a very entertaining show. All right, so anyway, that's our random tangent of the day, <laughs> Thursday, July. There 3rd. will be no more tangents, I guarantee it. Oh, yes, there almost will. certainly will be. <laughs> uh, I, I got to ask you this because you can't you know you can't talk about um can't talk about these po- we can't talk about these podcasts without asking whether you got heat for your wide receiver list. Not really. Like okay. the only thing was like a Bucks blog was like, why are you know Mike uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin not number one and two? Like not <laughs> actually saying that, but right. they they didn't think Mike Evans and Chris Godwin were high enough. Other what than that, Bucks blog was it? I don't remember. The Joe Bucks um, fan? I I don't. I just said I don't remember. <laughs> um, are you dismissing the Bucks blogosphere? I don't remember which one it was. I just remember seeing it. Um, other than that, I mean, that was really the only pushback that I got. Everything else was like not that. Like, yeah, Patrick not, Walker got got lit up for his running back rankings. Yeah, I saw the running back rankings. I think I would have had some pushback on some of those too. Yeah, maybe um, not having Alvin, no Alvin Kamara in the top ten will do that for you. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know his rationale, but like he's been a part time player his whole career and still been one of the most productive running backs in the league. So. Yeah, what are you going to do? Uh, all right, let's get to the wide receivers. Yep. You mentioned Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. They both land in the bottom five of your list. But the guy at number 10 is really interesting, I think, because there's a non-zero chance that he would go from 10 to 1 as early as next year, Odell Beckham. It, I, I don't think – I think if you rewound three years, we're like, hey, Odell Beckham will be the 10th best wide receiver in football. People are like, are you high? Like, what, like, <laughs> what would be the 10th best wide receiver? He's number one. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't think if we rewound three years that we would see one of these lists without Antonio Brown on it either. Um, a lot happens in in three years. I mean, Odell, just on pure talent alone, he's probably like a top two or three guy in the league. The issue for him the past few years has just been he hasn't been able to stay on the field, and when he has been on the field, he hasn't been that healthy. Like last season, he played all year with a hip injury which, you know, I know from experience is really, really debilitating and it just affects the way you move and it affects your entire life. Like it's all you can think about is how much pain you're in Mm. when you have that kind of an injury. And I mean, over the past three years, he's just had, you know, dreadful quarterback play from Eli Manning and then Baker Mayfield. And still during that time, like on a per 16 games basis, he's been incredible. I mean, 88 catches for 1200 yards and six touchdowns per 16 games over that three-year span. The issue is he's only played 32 of 48 games, you know? Um, so I, I think if he can stay on the field and if he gets actual competent quarterback play from Baker Mayfield this year, then he can be, you know, a, a top five, top three guy again. But it's hard to, you know, 100% count on that. So I tried to sort of split the difference in terms of his talent level and what we can expect from him just based on whether or not he'll be on the field and whether or not he'll get good quarterback play. But I think he should be good if he's out there. And if Baker, you know, I would think we'll see him be closer to his 2018 self than 2019 just because, you know, they don't have Freddie Kitchens there and they improved their offensive line a bit and they should be in 12 personnel more often after signing a couple tight ends. Like, it should be more conducive to offensive success for them this year. I would think that Kevin Stefanski, who – I am going to be say this is a bold claim. I think he might be a better coach than Freddie Kitchens. <laughs> uh, I, I would I would expect that Kevin Stefanski knows that the best way, like the, the, there's a really easy solution for for the struggles of Odell Beckham and, and Baker Mayfield: throw slants. 
<laughs> like, just do what Pat Shermer did and, and Ben McAdoo did. Like, just slant, slant it to Odell Beckham off play action over and over and just let him jailbreak a couple of plays. Get back to like those RPOs that they were doing with Baker in, uh, 2018 yep. and just have Beckham, you know, lined up in the slot and run a slant. And all of a sudden, if they're playing cover one, cover zero, like, he's gone. <laughs> like, yeah. it's over. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's where um, Baker's at his best too, is, you know, quick reads based off of, you know, what a linebacker safety does and just throw it to the guy who is going to be open based on that decision. Yeah. Uh, I, I am buying a lot of, or I'm planning on buying a lot of Odell Beckham, uh, in fantasy this year. Like, I think he's just a great, I think his price tag is just surprisingly cheap. And I think that you can, uh, get a good value with him with a ton of upside with a, with a Browns team that I think will be better but i'm scared to get too hyped up on because they're yeah i went all in on the browns offense last year in my big money league for fantasy i took odell at least right no (laughs) (laughs) so not all in almost no i took odell and baker uh and david and joku late as like one of my tight ends so it did not work out for me that did not uh all right number nine chris godwin mentioned bucks receiver did you think about having him higher or was it – because I think a lot of people would take Chris Godwin over Mike Evans, who you have at seven. You know, we'll just go and get these two Bucks guys out of the way. Keenan yeah. Allen at eight as well. Um, was there any thought about flipping them there? I mean, I'm, I'm fine with Evans over over Godwin, but I, I think a lot of people might take Godwin ahead. Yeah, I mean, I tried to combine sort of the – not just do what we expect from them this season, but also like just the talent level as well, and I think – I think it's definitely possible that Chris Godwin has a better season than Mike Evans, but I think Mike Evans is just the better player. Like he does more. I think, you know, Chris Godwin last season was in the slot on 67% of his routes. Mike Evans is there much less. He's winning outside and inside more often. He, you know, he is more of a deep threat than Godwin as well. The, the issue with Evans has been drops on occasion. He has like a 6% drop rate or something like that, which is one of the highest in the league. And obviously he hasn't necessarily had a very high catch rate. Some of that is because, he, you know, he does get deeper targets down the field and those are naturally going to be caught less often than targets closer to the line of scrimmage, which, which is where Godwin does more of his work. Uh, but he's also had, you know, Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, I'm trying to remember who else they've had at quarterback there during his career. It hasn't been good. You know, uh, Mike Glennon, Josh McCown, like, is, is that really the kind of quarterback play you'd expect to have a guy produce like a superstar with? Not necessarily, but he has done that. You know, a lot of it is volume because the Bucks have had to throw a lot more than a lot of other teams. So, you know, that's why, you know, when we get to talking about Amari Cooper versus Mike Evans in a little bit, um, that was sort of where the decision came down there. But, you know, Evans and Godwin, I mean, I wrote this in the piece, like, for me, the top five was pretty set, and then after that, there was a group of guys from, like, six to 16 or 17, where you could have put them in pretty much any order, and I wouldn't really have argued all that much with you. Who was your, uh, who was your 11th guy on here? Um, I don't know that there was necessarily one guy at 11, but I had... Or who, um, who are your biggest snubs, I guess? Like the yeah, toughest guys um, Stefan Diggs, Kenny Galladay. Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Tyler Lockett. Man. Um, Great group of wide receivers. Yeah, and I guess, like, I, you're I right. Really, like, I didn't really know what to do with Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. Like 2017 and 2018, he was so good. Um, 
obviously 2019 was kind of a disaster for him. And a lot of that is based on the quarterback play. But then we look at other guys on the list and like Allen Robinson has literally never had above average quarterback play in his entire career. It is in, no, been, no, no, not just his entire career. Also Penn State, he had Christian Hackenberg. Yeah. Yeah, and he's been like significantly better throughout his career than Juju was last year. You know, we'll get to DeAndre Hopkins later on. He had disastrous quarterback play before hooking up with Deshaun Watson, and he was still able to be dominant. I mean, we just talked about Odell has had horrendous quarterback play the last three years. Well, and, and he's and like the thing with Juju too is that it wasn't just that he got back. Like Ben went down. He moved from being like almost a primary slot guy when Antonio Brown was there into being like the true number. And, and like, you know, defenses are keying in on Antonio Brown. They don't have to worry about other, you know, Juju's a secondary concern. Like that was part of the problem is like as he sort of became the guy, we didn't know. We didn't know how he would react to being the guy. And it, it combined with bad quarterback play makes it tough and injuries. I mean, it's just a, this is a yeah. tough spot for him. I mean, I, I think I lean more to the quarterback play and the injuries being the cause just because like, even in 2018, I think he out-targeted uh, Antonio Brown. So it's not like he was, you know, a secondary option in that season. He was so good that year. And I think that if Ben is healthy, you'll get back to seeing Juju being really good again. But I just didn't really know what to do with him. So he was sort of like – him and A.J. Green were kind of the next two guys after that group of six um, that I just but didn't AJ, really know AJ's to tough too because it's like, are you going to throw – Odell Beckham, was AJ even a consideration for top 10? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, him and Juju were the guys that I didn't really know what to do with after that group of six. Like, they were sort of in that mix too, but I was like, I think I was going to put, like, Stephon Diggs on there before I was going to put AJ Green on there. Yeah. Just because we we don't know. Like, especially even with if a foot it's, injury even for a list, wide receiver. That's even tough. if it's a list for 2020, like, Prisco had AJ, AJ Green on his top 100. It's like, man. like, And he didn't have Tyler Lockett or Kenny Galladay, right? Yeah. Yeah, like I didn't understand that. We talked about that on, I think, on the last podcast I was on. Um, There's a lot of, I think, deference to older guys that have done it before and have a track record, which is good. Like you don't want to look stupid and be like, oh, A.J. Green's not a top 10 wide receiver. And then he comes out and goes for like 90, 1,208 again because that's just what he does. But I just didn't really know what to do with him and Juju at a certain point. No, it's tough. And I would have – I would, I would, I don't know that there's somebody on here that I would have taken off for one of those guys. So I'm, I'm with you there. I, I don't know though, like, you got Amari Cooper at six. Actually, you know what? This is, we actually did what happens to Keenan Allen in real life. We just completely glossed over Keenan Allen, yeah. which is unfair because Keenan Allen is, has really morphed into an awesome receiver. Now, yeah. I wonder, you remember he was, he had that injury prone label when he started out in his career. I do wonder, will Keenan Allen, thrive as like I, I don't know that he will be here next year because of the shift from Philip Rivers to Tyrod Taylor and because of maybe the the emphasis on the run for this Chargers team like I just wonder if he might fall off not not because he played poorly but just because of the circumstances conspiring against it yeah I mean I don't know that they're going to be super run heavy it's not like I think really? Austin Eckler has more than 15 carries in a game like twice in his whole career. And it's not like Justin Jackson has been like a huge volume guy at any point either. But the thing with Tyrod is he's a very conservative passer and tends to throw close to the line of scrimmage a lot. So I think that that still works in Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler's favor. They're still going to be the top two guys in this offense. You know, maybe Allen doesn't get 160, 170 targets 
again, but I think he's still going to be, you know, the number one guy and targeted more than anybody else. I think it affects, you know, Mike Williams and Hunter Henry significantly more than it does Keenan Allen. So, I mean, you look at him the last three years, I mean, 102 for 1393 and six, 97 for 1196 and six, and 104 for 1199 and six. I mean, he might be the most consistent player in the entire league when he's on the field. He has, you know, an incredible catch rate. He doesn't have, you know, necessarily. He shreds a, man coverage too. Oh yeah. I mean, he might be the best route runner in the entire league. I yeah. mean, he, the dude is always open, you know, incredible efficiency in terms of his catch rate, yards per target, yards per route run. Like, and I think that he's still going to get a pretty good amount of volume. Like, I don't know that the chargers are necessarily going to throw like less than 500 times this year or something like that. Like that would be crazy. That's not something that happens in, in the, the modern, modern NFL. NFL. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and Allen too, like, remember, you know, cause he, in 2016, he tore his ACL in that right. week one game against the Chiefs. And he yeah. was a beaut, who's guy, who was he? He was, uh, I don't remember which corner was there at that point, but he had like seven somebody, catches. Oh, it was Marcus Peters, I think. Was it? Was 17, 18, 19. Could have been Marcus Peters. Could have been, it could have been Marcus Peters. Or it could have been whoever their number one corner is. He was he was thrashing somebody who's a really good cornerback for the Chiefs in that week one game. And it was like, whoa, like he, this is Keenan Allen's breakout season coming. But, and, then, and that was after he had missed the last eight games of the previous year because he had like a lacerated kidney. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. And um and then he tore his ACL and he was taken off and then came back in 2017. But you're right. Those last three years just extremely consistent in terms of his production. Uh at number six, Amari Cooper. A little surprised that you have Amari Cooper over Mike Evans. I think it's probably, I think you probably thought about flipping that, right? Yeah. I mean, at a certain point, I had them flipped, I think, but then I just was looking at all the efficiency numbers. And since Cooper has been in Dallas, he basically has the same, like, typical season long line as Mike Evans, but on like 25 fewer targets Mm. per year. Like, Mike has never been hyper-efficient. No. Like, for his career, Evans averages 82 catches for 1,291 yards and nine touchdowns per 16 games. He's only missed, like, something like three or four games, I think, for his career. He's a, he has a 55% catch rate for his career. That's yeah. And, and, again, a lot of that is due to the quarterback play. But, sure. you know, since he's been in Dallas, Cooper has played in all 25 games, but he did leave that Jets game last year after three snaps. But still, he's averaging – 82 catches for 1,225 yards and nine touchdowns per, on a per 16 games basis since he's been in Dallas in essentially a season and a half. So again, he has been Mike Evans, but on 25 fewer targets per year, significantly higher catch rate, 67%. You know, his yards per catch average is like 0.9 yards less, but he's been much more efficient on a per route basis, 2.24 yards per route run. And that holds true even if you take out Evans' first season where he was like the co-number one option alongside Vincent Jackson rather than just being, you know, the straight-up number one guy that he's been over these past few years. I mean, a lot of the perception of Cooper, I think, is still sort of tied to that last year and a half or so that he had in Oakland. And it was straight up. It was bad. Um, And he had like a case of the dropsies when he was in Oakland too, 6.4% drop rate, but he's cut that to 4.6%. In Dallas, and I mean, when you look at this coming season too, I think everything is set up for Amari Cooper to have probably his best season this really? year. Like 
They're going to throw the ball more often because they have Mike McCarthy there instead of Jason Garrett. They're going to throw more on early downs, which, you know, tends to be a much more efficient proposition than throwing on third down. He's going to play in more space than he ever has because he's got Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb there. Um, they're just going to be in three and four wide receiver sets more often than he's ever been in his career, which results in a more spread field. And he's just had such good chemistry with Dak Prescott too. Like, I think this is going to be his best year. And I think that, you know, Mike Evans is still going to be like more of a co-number one guy along with Chris Godwin. And I think Tom Brady throws short more than he throws deep. He's not going to suddenly start throwing deep, you know, six, seven times a game. Godwin sets up as a much better target for Tom Brady than Mike Evans. Yeah. So sort of the combination of like Cooper has essentially been Evans since he's been in Dallas production wise. And I think that he's got, you know, a little bit of an edge just in terms of what we can expect his production to be this season, because, you know, even though the Cowboys don't necessarily have the exact coaching continuity that, you know, Godwin and Evans have with Bruce Arians, like, they're getting a new quarterback there. I think, I think, I think for that, for purposes of continuity, like, I think the quarterback, in terms of receiver continuity, I think the quarterback's right. more important than the coach. Right. And it's so, you know, the Bucks are changing their quarterback. They're tweaking their offense a little bit. At least that's what Arian says. We'll see what happens. You know, the Cowboys obviously have the same quarterback. And yes, they changed the head coach, but they kept the offensive coordinator from last year, who was also the yep. quarterback's coach two years ago. And McCarthy has said that, you know, Kellen Moore is still going to call the plays and they're keeping the same terminology. So even though they are tweaking the offense a little bit, there's not as much of a difference as you would expect with a typical first-year head coach. Just going to take out the Jason Garrett. Just get rid yeah. of Jason Garrett, and it, it'll be better. The, Cooper, the only thing with Cooper, so he has 17 career games with 20 or less receiving yards. Yes. He has four games where he's been completely blanked. He yeah. has 58 games where he has one under was, 100. Was one of that? them was last year, too. Stephon yeah. Gilmore blanked him, I think. Yeah, it was, uh, yep, it was against, it was, and that was bad weather too. So like, well, you know, yeah. we'll cut, cut him a And they also bit. like Let's threw slide. the ball 20 times or something like, oh, Jason yeah. Garrett. The less I have to talk about him for the rest of my life, the better. I mean, he has, I mean, it, it's, it's just weird. Like he just has these games where cause he has three career 200 games, you know, uh, two more where he's above 170. He's, 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 he's a little bit of boomer bust to him. I think would be the only maybe qualm about having him all the way up at six. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely the case. There's no real pushback you can make about that. He definitely is a lot of times a boomer bust player. But, you know, just in terms of efficiency, like on his, you know, per route, per target, per game, per catch, like all the efficiency metrics are there. I'm not sure that the the game-to-game consistency is necessarily something that causes me to say, you know, he's 11th or whatever. Although if you had him 11th, I wouldn't really argue. Like I said, right. I think that there was a group of, you know, 10 or 12 guys where, like, you could have put Stephon Diggs six and had Amari Cooper off the list, and I wouldn't have argued with you. Did we mention Adam Thielen? Did he get any possible love? He was in sort Maybe of that, that next, next group of guys year. after that. Like, he definitely took a step back behind Diggs last season. Some of that was the injury, obviously, that he had last year, but he also had sort of taken a step back even before the injury. Um He's always done his best work in the slot, and they're already talking about using Justin Jefferson in the slot more often, which means Thielen's going to have to push outside. So I mean, he's obviously really, really good, uh, but I didn't necessarily have him in this group of guys in the top All right, uh, you know, 16, let's, um, 17 or whatever. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, 
We'll talk about your top five wide receivers. Greetings, Fantasy Warriors. I'm Heath Cummings, your guide to fantasy dominance on FFT Dynasty. Join me this offseason where mock drafts become epic showdowns and every pick shapes your legacy. If, if I was Adam, with the team that he's built, Will Levis makes so much more sense. And that's not all. We're peeling back the curtain on the future with our exclusive 2024 NFL Draft Prospect Profiles. Uncover hidden gems that'll elevate your roster to legendary status. Puka Nakua. After Cooper Cup, we really have no idea who's going to get the targets. Keaton Mitchell of East Carolina. Explosive speed is ridiculous. This isn't just a podcast. It's a playbook for champions. Subscribe to FFT Dynasty now, and together, we'll conquer the fantasy football frontier. Your dynasty journey starts here. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so top five wide receiver on... On your list, dudes. Uh, this is, I think this is, and you've mentioned, you've referenced it several times. I think it is, um, I think it's pretty easy picking out these five names. Now it gets a little bit harder when you've got to, you know, figure out where they go. But for me, actually selecting the top five wide receivers is easy. That, that seems fair, right? Yeah. I mean, that's sort of where it was for me. I definitely noticed like, uh, a, dro- not necessarily a drop off, but a break. In terms of the, you know, the relative level of eliteness, I guess. Well, like, I don't think anybody is gonna, so at number five, you have Devontae Adams. Nobody's gonna tell you to take, uh, Amari Cooper over Devontae Adams. Like, that's not a, that's not a up for discussion, I don't think, right? No, I don't think so either. I mean, I think that there might be some people just on like pure talent level. They might say like, you know, Mike Evans or Odell Beckham or, you know, any of the other guys, maybe, but just the combination of Adam's production since he's been in this role that he's been as the number one wide out, you know, it's been four seasons. He's played, uh, 57 of 64 games and average line 96 catches for 1197 yards and 11 touchdowns. Like, yeah. he's, what do you do with that? He's double pretty good. touchdowns in three of those four seasons. Last year was the only one where he didn't get to double digits because he was injured for a bunch of the games. I mean, the year he had in 2018 was like one of the most underrated wide receiver seasons ever. Like 111 for 1386 and 13. The only other guys that have ever done that are Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, Antonio Brown, Isaac Bruce, and Herman Moore. That's a pretty good list. Herman yeah. Moore, sneaky on there. And he did it in only 15 games, too. He didn't play the last game of the year. I mean, he's also just like probably the clearest number one target in the entire league because the Packers, like me and you, might be the next two wide receivers on the team somehow, and they didn't add anybody this offseason. Like Adams might get like 185 targets this year. Yeah, I mean, he could be like they win because remember the draft. Everybody's pissed off at the Packers because they didn't yeah. add anybody, and and so yeah, I mean, like he could easily end up with a ton of targets. Uh, how? How high did you think about moving Adams? Like how, what was his ceiling for you in this list? Probably three. Like I think one and two, I was debating between those two and then three, four, five, I was debating between those three. Okay. So, so Adams was not a consideration for one or even two. 
No, I don't think so. I mean, the, just in terms of like uh, yards per route run and um, catch rate and things like that, like the the top two guys are just on another level, I think. Um, and then it was the next three, and then a group of us, like I said, like ten or twelve. Right. So uh, three and four to fill out that group. DeAndre Hopkins at four. Maybe a little lower than people thought. And then Tyreek Hill at three, two very different stylistic wide receivers. Hopkins, of course, traded this offseason as part of the insane David Johnson move from uh, Houston to Arizona, where in, I, I, all right, so let me ask you this. What, um, do you, do you think there was a decline in DeAndre Hopkins play last year or is there a decline in how he was used? I think there was a big decline in how he was used. Um, I wrote about, sort of the top quarterback wide receiver tandems for a series of stories last season. And one of them obviously was on Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins. And I mean, there were games where he was basically used like a running back, like the game that they played against the chiefs. I don't think he had a target that was more than like seven or eight yards in the air. And he had like 12 catches or something like that. And it was, has like the best body control in all of football. You're like, oh yeah. I mean, his body control is ridiculous. Um, the, the sort of defining feature that I had of him and Watson was like improbability, basically. Like, or no, it was degree of difficulty. Improbability right, 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 right. Yeah, was yeah. Wilson and Lockett. Like, you know, Watson had, has obviously been saddled with such a ridiculous degree of difficulty throughout his career just because of the offensive line that he's played behind and, you know, sort of the regressive style of offense that they've used a lot of the time. And then Hopkins, like, look at his quarterback play for the first four years of his career. I mean, I mean, it's, it's like Tom Savage. Yeah. Uh, uh, I have the list here. Brock Osweiler, Brian Hoyer, Tom Savage, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Mallett, Case Keenum, Matt Schaub, TJ Yates, and Brandon Whedon. Unbelievable. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like, it's like, it's like, what did he do in his prior life to deserve having to catch passes from those quarterbacks? Then only to get to Sean Watson, then only to get traded. Thank goodness he was traded to at least, you know, he gets Kyler Murray, who looks to be an ascending uh, mm-hmm. player. It, it, did Hopkins get merit consideration at number one or in the top two, or is it just you need to sort of see how he looks in this new offense? Yeah, I mean, it was it was three, four, five for him as well. Okay. Um, I don't think I ever had him down at five. I think at one point he was at three, and then I flipped him. Um, yeah, that's – yeah. It, I think he was – at one point he was three, Adams was four, and the guy I ended up putting at number three was at number five, and I sort of jumbled it up. That way, um, I just think just it's not necessarily because of anything regarding his skill set or anything like that. I think that the the Cardinals are significantly more likely to spread the ball around mm. than the other two teams that we're talking about here. Um, I, I don't know that he has like a 180, 190 target season coming. Um, you know, Cliff Kingsbury's offense, they're going to have four wideouts on the field a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Just in, I'm curious what you think because I, I was, um, where's it? Oh, I was reading. I think it was a uh, Pat Darty's Roto World Cardinals preview, and just you know, like you could tell that. I mean, the Kingsbury just couldn't get four wideouts on the field because right. they didn't. They didn't have the guys I mean, like it's Hakeem Butler right. and Andy Isabella. I mean, roll out like uh, not even Hakeem Butler and Andy Isabella, but like uh, Demir Bird and uh, Trent Sherfield. Like <laughs> these were the guys that they were running out there last year as a, they're like number three and four wide receivers. So now I'd imagine, you know, on basically prop, as long as they're healthy, I would imagine that Hopkins, Kirk and Fitzgerald are going to be out there on like a hundred percent of snaps. And yeah. then you're going to have, you know, a tight end. And on occasion you'll have Andy Isabella, Keyshawn Johnson, you know, one of those other guys that are going to be out there with them. And I, I do think like, I don't think you're suddenly going to see Larry Fitzgerald with like 
80 targets, you know, he's still going to wind up in like the hundred target range. Christian Kirk will probably be around there too. Hopkins like 130, 140, 150, that range. And that just means to me, he's going to be, you know, just probably slightly less productive this season than the next guy we have on the list. And I think just in terms of talent level, I think they're pretty similar. Uh, you mean Tyree Hill? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Hill at, uh, like so, if, or how are you handling Hopkins in fantasy? Then you not draft? You you just worried they'll spread it out, and just stay away? Or no, I still think he's going to be you know a top five or six wide receiver. I just wouldn't necessarily make him the first or second receiver off the board anymore. Which I think I took him as the first receiver off the board in my fantasy league. Yeah, and he year. was he was disappointing last year. Yeah, he was still really good. Yeah, like he just wasn't the best receiver in the league. If you drafted him and Odell Beckham with your first two picks, you had a rough. That's year. exactly what I did. <laughs> Me too. I did that in a bunch. Yeah. Tough. Tough. I had pick, him, uh, Odell, and Baker. It's a two quarterback league. And him, Odell, Baker as my first three picks. Oh, yeah. That's tough. Um, my other quarterback was Jared Goff. Fun year for you. You, yeah. you thought your team was stacked after that draft, too. Yeah. I went in on the Browns offense, the Rams offense. Like, I was like, <laughs> And for the first time ever, I had like a deep crew of running backs, Chris Carson, Mark Ingram, like. Oh, no. So like good running backs and then like the wide receivers didn't pin out, of course. Uh, all right. So Tyree Kill, I drafted him last year and he got hurt early on. Uh, only 58 catches last year, 860 yards, but still seven touchdowns. He's the fastest player in football and maybe the entire world. Probably. I mean, Adoree Jackson might have something to say about mm. fastest player. Usain Bolt as well, maybe. Yeah. No, I just meant in football. Like, Usain right. Bolt definitely has something to say about in the entire world. Bodie, what are you doing? Sorry. My dog is literally just sitting under my chair, and he clearly wants to jump up on me right now. <laughs> Bring him up. Um, okay. You want to come I'm here? I'm wearing the same T-shirt four days in a row. You can put your dog on the screen. Okay. Debo will stop you if it looks bad. Hey. <laughs> oh, there see, he, is. he looks like a Bodie. Yeah. He, like, it is Bodie, right? Not Bodie, not Brody. No, Bodie. Um, Bodie. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, in, in three years as a full time wide receiver, Tyreek Hill has, he missed like the five games or whatever it was last year, but 82 for 13, 11, and 10 on a per 16 games basis. 2.45 yards per route run, which is just like completely ridiculous. <laughs> um, you know, 16 yards per reception during that span, sixth best mark among players with at least 100 catches during that time. He leads the league in yards per target during that time. He has 10 receiving touchdowns of 50-plus yards. I mean, that's by far the most in the league. The next three guys are Cooper, Diggs, and Deshaun Jackson. They all have five apiece. Wow. Um, and he had 71 carries for 500 yards and four touchdowns in his career. Like, plus, like, Again, he's working with Patrick Mahomes. Like, they are the best deep ball guys in the league, the best scramble drill guys in the league, unless you want to make an argument for Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett. I'd like, take Mahomes and, I mean, that's, it's perfectly fine with the argument, but I would take, I would personally take Mahomes and, and yeah, just I because mean, like, as good as Lockett is when they're, when they're freelancing and all that, like, he'll, if you don't, if you, if you can't cover him, you can't cover him. And eventually he's just going to get loose. And if he gets in space, you're, you're touched. So that's, yeah, that would be I my mean, choice. I think for him, similar to Amari Cooper, I think that it's all set up for Tyreek Hill this year to just have like an unheard of monster type of season. Really? You think, yeah. do you think like the, why, why do you believe that Hill will have an even better year? Well, I think Mahomes is going to be out there for 
more than whatever it was, like 12 or 13 games that he was yeah, last year. Because Hill uh, was – Mahomes got hurt right as Hill came back. Because right. Hill caught a touchdown pass from, from Matt, Matt Moore, Moore in that Thursday night game, yeah. Right. Um, so I, I think, you know, for that reason, I think, you know, now it's going to be like, again, his fourth season as a full-time wide receiver. I think they're going to have more speed on the field than they've ever had because I think you'll find, you know, Miko Hardman probably taking more of those snaps from Demarcus Robinson, where last year he was like a 15, 16 snap a game guy when, uh, when Tyreek Hill was healthy. Um, you know, obviously Travis Kelsey's still there to draw attention over the middle. You know, they added as much as I don't like, taking a running back in the first round, even for this team. And even though he is a good pass catcher, they added like the best pass catching wide receiver, uh, sorry, best pass catching running back in the draft and Clyde Edwards Hilaire. There are just so many more threats everywhere. And Mahomes is only going to be better. Like they could do, what is he like 25 years old now? Third season as a full-time starting quarterback. I mean, yeah. I think like we're, we're Hill, looking by at Hill's only 25. Season. Yeah. Like Mahomes and Hill. I mean, assuming that Tyreek Hill doesn't do anything that gets him, you know, suspended. Yeah, I mean, the only problems with Tyree Kill are his behavior off the field and his, you know, attitudes towards women and apparently alcohol that causes him to have those attitudes. And obviously, we don't 100% know what happened with his child, but there were some horrific allegations and he clearly needs to... Suffice to say, there are concerns yeah. off the field with Tyree Kill. Yeah. But if he avoids those problems, I mean, he has the skill set to be a Hall of Fame wide receiver and a quarterback who... He's going to be paired with for the next five plus years. Yeah. I mean, if he's on the field, he's going to be the most explosive player in the league, probably. That's actually an interesting test case for the Hall of Fame and their uh, stance that the off field matters are, are not of import to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Like, I'll just be curious. Like, I mean, don't, don't they, you think they claim to not care about off field matters? Ob- look, obviously, this player's off field matters are in nowhere near the same league as Terry Kills, but there is Terrell. zero reason on any level that Terrell Owens shouldn't have gotten in on the first ballot. Yep. It, the, clearly, the only reason was people didn't like, you know, that he did sit ups in his driveway or whatever. Yeah, that wasn't even, yeah, that wasn't even like, it wasn't even like stuff he did. It was just they don't like him. That's all yeah. that was. I mean, it's That's crazy. It. They can claim they don't care about off-field stuff, but clearly they do. And it's it's not necessarily even about off-field stuff. It's just like your personality and where you like good to reporters. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, okay, so number one and number two, no brainers. I mean, we you did a great job, dude, with the teaser, not actually saying their names when I kept saying one and two over and yeah. over again. Um, but look, you don't need me to tell you who they are. I mean, it's it's uh, Julio Jones and Michael Thomas. The question is, which order are they in? Yeah, it's uh it's Julio Jones at number two and Mike Thomas at number one. Um you could have flipped them and I wouldn't really argue with you that much. Again, like I said, I mean the thing that sort of broke the tie for me has been, you know, Julio's uh yards per reception and yards per target have both gone down each of the past three seasons and just over the last few years where Mike Thomas has been the number one guy just like his targets turn into first downs, like a decent chunk more often than who. Okay, you can come back up. <laughs> no. Okay. I, I, by the way, make sure to check out the YouTube channel because you can yeah. see Bodie Dubin's dog sitting on his lap. I don't know what kind of dog I thought Bodie was, but I don't think that's exactly the. I don't think that's exactly what, what kind of dog is he? Is he a, uh, he's a so he's a he's a rescue. So I don't know a hundred percent. 
But I mean, so he came actually with two different birth certificates. One really? said, yeah, one said Chihuahua mix and one said mini pincher mix. So I know he at least has some of those in him. And that's, I mean, he has the look of both of those. So yeah. Um, anyway, so he's, he's very, he's, 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 he's very regal. Um, yeah, I mean, he looks, Diva, back me up here. He looks regal on this on this podcast, doesn't he? Oh, absolutely. Based on previous descriptions, I was thinking Bodie was a a pit bull or something. Based on two oh, previous no. comments during the pod, he, he looks aged. Like he's like he's, just, like he's not he's not distracted by the giant fur ball in the yellow shirt, like waving, <laughs> gesticulating wildly. He's like sitting over there, and he's he's just very. Uh, he seems very regal. He likes to stare at stuff outside. He likes to usually he likes to like play with the podcast equipment, um, <laughs> which happens on occasion. And he just loves like jumping on people and dogs. Like when I walk down the street with him, basically every person that I walk past, he has to try to jump on. He's very social. But uh-huh. anyway, again, uh, I, 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 I walk. Yeah, friend George, <laughs> Julio Jones and Mike Thomas. Yeah, I mean Mike Thomas's targets have turned into. Uh, first downs, just like a pretty decent chunk more often. I think it was like 7% more often than Julio Jones over the past couple of years. And that seems like a, a pretty significant chunk. But, you know, Julio Jones, like the yards per route run king, like among wide receivers with 50 plus targets over the past seven seasons, Julio Jones ranks first, fourth, first, 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 and fifth in yards per route run over the past seven seasons. That's that's ridiculous. I think yeah. so. Here's where I would stand on the two: is that right now, as we are where we sit in our place in like heading into the 2020 season, given what Mike Michael Thomas did last year, which was 149 catches, which is ridiculous, yeah. and 1725 yards, 107.8 yards per game, and an absolutely obscene 80.5 catch rate, which was even higher the year before it came down. It was he was at like 97 or something too. That he would be, he would be. I agree with you. I think he would be one. Um, having said that, if you were, if you were like, hey, who is a like, who's just the best? Like, who's the right. biggest physical freak? receiver out there i think it's julio yeah i mean julio jones is like sort of like a randy moss style like absolutely you could, you could say he's like the most talented receiver that you've ever seen like i think absolutely. he's up there for me um he's completely ridiculous i mean he has ridiculous size like 6'3 220 like he's good at everything like he's again like he's, I he's crazy about, fast he's a great yeah. route runner he can he can high point a ball like he's a red zone threat like he does he i mean what did he run at the combine like a four three with a broken foot i mean yeah, something stupid. like that i mean the, the only difference is is he's 31 now and he's not necessarily at the pure peak of his powers right. anymore that doesn't mean that he's not still like again i have him number two in the league but mike thomas is what 24 25 he's heading into his peak years and julio jones like probably just Wait, no mike thomas is 27 is that right how is that right He's 27? He's 27. Really? He was drafted at 23. So, he's, yeah, I mean, he was, he was older when he came out of college. I think that's actually part of why he fell. Maybe because he was – Julio Jones, by the way, 4-3-4 at the combine with a broken foot. Completely I mean, what ridiculous. The, I mean, the guy's a freak. Like, yeah. yeah, I think – I guess I guess what I'm saying, that's the difference. It's like – in in I, I, I also thought Michael Thomas was 25. I didn't flinch. I just happened to have it up to see if, he, if his birthday had passed. Um, you know what? Actually, I did know that because he was not on Sean's – list all oh, right top 25 on yeah okay, um sense. but yeah i mean like and i think what do you think about the criticism of michael thomas like people are on twitter are, like mad because he catches too many slants from drew Brees. like uh, is like, that not good like, like guard guard the slant 
Yeah. So <laughs> over the past uh, three years, 50.5% of his targets have resulted in first downs. That's crazy. Like, more than half the time you throw the ball to Mike Thomas, it's a first down. Yeah, that's crazy. And I, you know, I wrote about the thing with the slants um, in the, the quarterback wide receiver series. Like, basically, it was like an 85% catch rate on those, and they averaged, you know, like nine or 10 yards a pop. So it's basically like a running play that gains twice as many yards as the average running play. Right. He had 91 first downs last year. <laughs> He's. Ridiculous. I mean, he has probably the best hands in the league. He's 6'3", 212, ridiculous strength, like elite change of direction skills. He wins at the line of scrimmage and then at the break and then at the catch point on, like, every route. Like, there's nothing that he's not good at. Like, he's even really good when he gets thrown the ball downfield. They just don't necessarily use him that way just because that's not the I think way that's they want to use him I think offense. it's a Drew Brees thing, not a Michael Thomas thing. Right. When they do throw him ball, the ball down the field, he's ridiculously efficient. Yeah. It's just not necessarily an, as enormous a part of their offense because, like, if you can get a first down more than half the time you throw a guy the ball, when you throw, you know, a slant or whatever, why not keep doing that? Right. What's the, you don't need to, yeah, you don't need to do what, what, what you know what I mean? Like, you just, just keep banging that slant over and over again. Like, yeah. That's, that's the play to do it. Uh, okay. What, uh, is there anything we didn't touch on here? No, I mean, again, I think that those six guys that I mentioned sort of really got a short shrift. Um, like, I think you could have put any one of Stephon Diggs, Kenny Galladay, Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, Allen Robinson, Robert Woods on this list. And, Bodie, get off my desk, please. <laughs> um, you could have put any one of them on this list. And, again, I wouldn't really have argued it. Like, especially, you know, Kenny Galladay, based on, you know, what Matthew Stafford did last season, um, I, I think that he has a really good argument. Um, if the if the Seahawks threw the ball like as much as a team should throw the ball, <laughs> Tyler Dude. Lockett would be on there. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, Stephon Diggs, I think talent level wise, is probably one of the ten best. But he's about to go from a quarterback who he thinks didn't throw him the ball deep downfield enough to a quarterback who, uh, let's just say, he's not the most accurate quarterback. He's going from the, the second most accurate quarterback in NFL history in terms of just completion percentage yeah. to uh, Josh Allen. Look, I think Josh Allen took a step forward last year. He also was below average at literally everything a quarterback can do except avoiding interceptions. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he's still got a couple steps forward to take, and maybe he takes them. I'm not, like, I'm not baking that into my projection for Stephon Diggs. No, I, I think that's that's not your job. Your job is to, to rank receivers. You know, it's not your job is not to rank, not to, not to bake in Josh Allen taking a leap. And then look like yeah, an idiot. I, mean, look, I think that he probably should take, you know, a, a step forward. I don't know how big it'll be. Like it could be a small one. It could be, you know, a bigger one than he took last year. He could also go backwards. Like, you yeah. know, we didn't expect Baker Mayfield to regress last year based on like adding Odell Beckham and looking at, we thought an offense that was going to be even better for him than the one that Hugh Jackson was running the year before, but it didn't happen. So, you know, it's, it's not a hundred percent guarantee. Like um, progression isn't necessarily linear. So we can't just say Josh Allen got better last year. He's going to get, you know, even more better this year. Certainly it could happen. Uh, I was not necessarily big on Josh Allen coming out of the draft. So I tend to be a little bit more yeah. skeptical. I, I, I'm biased a little bit like that too, but no, I mean like it's, and I do think the leap is there for Josh Allen. Like the possibility oh, yeah. is there, but 
it's not a hundred percent certain that he will take a big step forward. Yes, I don't know that he necessarily suddenly becomes an accurate quarterback. No. I think he can become a better decision maker. I think he can, you know, instead of trying to throw deep downfield, you know, eighteen, nineteen percent of the time or wherever he was last year, you know, take that check down to the Cole Beasley or Devin yeah. Singletary every once in a while and just move the chains a little bit. Like there, there are things he can do better, and there I think are easy ways that he can improve. But I don't know that he's necessarily going to become a guy who completes 66, 67% of his passes. That's just not in his range of outcomes, I don't think. I don't think so either. And to your point about Diggs is like if he's taking those checkdowns and he becomes a better decision maker, and the bill, like unless the Bills strangely become just a more voluminous offense, which I don't think is going to be the case like, given that they use a fairly early pick. The best thing Allen off. does is scramble. Like, right. That's like a, a big part of their offense and a big reason that he is able to have the efficiency that he does have. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how this turned into a Josh Allen podcast, but well, we were talking about Stefan Diggs. Oh, I know, I know, I know how it was. Yeah. Point. Um, um, I think if, by the way, that the, either one of the two Rams wide receivers, um, could get their way back onto the list just because I think that that offense should be better this year. Yeah. They're not going to force the ball to whatever running back is there quite as often as they did last season with Todd Gurley, just because the guy's name is not going to be Todd Gurley. They're not going to feel like they got to get their investment back. Right. And just like, I think they figured some, some stuff out at least down the stretch in terms of beating like that six, one front that was, you know, dealing with the, the wide nine uh, type of, or sorry, the wide zone. I guess it was it the lions or the Patriots. The the lions Lions first broke it out. Matt Patricia broke it out. Then the bears ran it again. And then obviously completely shut them down with the Patriots in the super bowl. But, I think they figured some stuff out down the stretch of last season just in terms of like getting a pitch to get those guys all the way on the outside. And then they could run 12 personnel more. I think they're more confident in, uh, in Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett than they were last year. So they can mix things up a little bit more. And, uh, with, without Brandon Cooks, that means Woods and Cup are going to be on the field more often than necessarily they were before. Yeah. Well, you know what? If you want to hear some more about Tyler Higby. Tune in tomorrow because Cody yeah. Benjamin, Cody Benjamin, and I are going to talk Tyler Higby. He might have made his top ten tight end list. So uh, I have I have two bones to pick with these top ten lists. Like first of all, Tony right? Pollard, Tony Pollard should have been number one on the running backs list. <laughs> Everybody knows it. Number one in elusive rating at Pro Football Focus last season. And uh, actually, that's my only that's my only bone to pick. Tony Pollard, number one running. See, Devo, another case. All right, I got You know what I'm going to do this afternoon? I'm going to plug in my sound drops because one of the ones I want is the Zeke. He's like, oh man, I'm so faded. <laughs> did you, uh, did you, you saw that, right? Yeah, I saw it. Um, and then he like he threatened to sue SI for accusing him of being yeah, high. Um, He's like, no, I'm lawyer, drunk, damn it. He was like, I'm going to call my lawyer. Uh, his lawyer's going to tell him in about two seconds that he doesn't have a case for defamation because he has not experienced any injury. Also, you're broadcasting yourself on Twitch, bro, and you clearly are faded. <laughs> like, I don't right, know. But the guy said that he was high instead of drunk, which who cares? Like, Zeke has not experienced any injury as a result of this, so there's no case here. Right, exactly. Uh, all right, Dubs, great stuff as always, buddy. Um, make sure and uh, follow him on Twitter at jadubin 5 and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me, man. Bodie, you want to say bye? Bye. Ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hang on! It's off the charts spectacular. 
Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.